630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, Tomlin Lupin. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. Here come the Oilers, 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry subtle waits. There's the center pass. One timer, score! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Good evening, everybody. Well, for the fourth straight year, the Oilers placed first at the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton. Now, what does that mean? That means they won the darn thing. (laughs) That's what it means to me. There's no trophies handed out, but uh, the Oilers have had a lot of success here, and it helps to have guys like, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl uh, in the tournament like they were a couple, three years ago. Um, But good for the Oilers, and they had to really fight for this one. Uh, A 5-4 overtime victory. Kirill Maximoff with the winning goal. And check it out. Go to Reed Wilkins' uh, Twitter page, uh, at Reed Wilkins. At uh, at Twitter, um, on Twitter, and uh, he, a beautiful goal. He just knifed through. Like, hey, Davey. Yeah. You want to hear Jack's call the goal? I would love to hear Jack's well, call. Here's Kellen Jack's Kennedy. call the goal that happened about oh forty some minutes ago on the live broadcast. Again, had a goal in regulation today. Looking right hand side, he's got Maximoff in over the line. Doesn't like the read. He'll come back to center. Wait for Poli maybe to change here. He does. Maximoff into the offensive zone. Rich shot score. And Edmonton wins the game, wins the tournament. 5-4 in overtime. Here. Beauty goal. No question about it. Kellen, that was nice. That was solid work there. Thank you very much. I'd say Jack is already in midseason form. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. I don't want to put a hex on the guy or anything like that, but he's sounding good. I mean, Bob's sounding good. Everybody's sounding good. When you hear the intro, you're just you're just pumped, man. Like those those are highlights we haven't heard in a while. Absolutely. And it's exciting to to uh, hear some Oilers hockey back on this mm. radio station again. So they they got the uh, ACAC uh, team of the Nate and the McEwen guys on Wednesday. Yep. And then. Split squad action Monday against those pesky Calgary Flames. A week tonight. Oh. Man, oh man. Hockey just is coming and slapping you in the face right now. And away we go. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. By the way, um, well, I'll first tell you, I'm Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy's on the other side of the glass. Officially good evening. Hello. It's uh, nice to be here. Uh, we got a big night here as uh, it's Mondays. Hey, Jason Moss comes in. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> wonder how the head coach is feeling today after uh, almost 48 hours since his team lost uh, their fourth straight game, and it was an emotional game, and um, there were lots of controversial moments with officiating and and certain decisions that were made by CFL command and that sort of thing. But the Eskimos have lost four straight games. That is not good. They're 7-4, and four. so uh, that's what we'll hear uh, with Morley Scott after 7.30 tonight, the Eskimos coaches show with Jason Moss, but but uh, absolutely, the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers will kick it off next week. Uh, and we got the game right here in Edmonton. 5.30 is the, uh, is the face-off show, and 7 o'clock is the drop of the puck at Rogers Place. On Wednesday night, uh, we'll have that game, the Oilers rookies against the uh, Nate 
McEwen All-Star Team. 7 o'clock is the drop of the puck. Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer with the call. Reed Wilkins will be down there as well. And we'll have an abbreviated edition of uh, Inside Sports slash post-game or pre-game show as well. So uh, it's busy times here. There's no doubt about that. We're hoping to uh, uh, get some post-game audio out of that game in Penticton. The Oilers winning 5-4 against the uh, Vancouver Canucks. We will be joined by uh, Reed Wilkins in about an hour from now as he uh, fights through uh, security. <laughs> he's probably going to he's probably going to do the interview before he hits security, which is very smart to do. I remember one time I said, okay, I'll do it at this time. And I remember my phone ringing on the little uh, conveyor while, uh, you know, while uh, I was being checked through security. And I'm like, well, can't do this. We had a guest last week, Pat Steinberg, who had the issue coming into Calgary or from Calgary to Penticton. Well, he flew into (laughs) Kelowna, I guess. And yeah, he was in security when he tried to call him. Crazy. We had to reschedule and put him on later and that stuff. We got him, we got him eventually on the show, but yeah, you know, yeah, that's security. You. you don't, you can't mess around with security. Not no, even if you're you a can't. guest on a radio show. So no, you can't. So Reed is going to make the right decision tonight and he'll join us uh, probably before he hits security. So there you go. Uh, we are here by the way, uh, this half hour presented by shoppers drug Mart refilling your prescriptions just got easier. Create an online account at shoppersdrugmart.ca slash prescriptions to view your me- uh, medication history, set text, and email reminders and more. So tonight on the scoreboard, by the way, we got two NFL football games. Yes, the NFL season is back. It's a double dip of Monday night football because it's the first Monday night football of the 2017 season. We have the Minnesota Vikings at home to the New Orleans Saints in Minnesota late in the second quarter are leading 10-6. to six. And then later on tonight, uh, just after, uh, I believe at 820 is going to be the official kickoff down in Denver, the Broncos. Broncos taking on the L.A. Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers. Are they playing in the same place that the L.A. Rams are playing to at the uh, the old L.A. Coliseum? Yes, I believe so. Man, I was watching. Oh, man. It's 1984 all over again. It we is. got the L.A. Rams, L.A. Chargers. Well, the San Diego Chargers, but L.A. Chargers. Well, I was like watching that. the Rams game against the Colts, which wasn't much of a game, and nobody went to that game. I mean, nope. it, it was so... It was like this speck of speckles of uh, empty seats. It was amazing. So. Now, is it because nobody went, or is it because much of that stadium is condemned for public usage? Well, that's true too. Because that's an old stadium. But it just looks so bad on TV. Yes. Just yeah. looks terrible. I don't think that's the look that uh, the NFL is looking for, but I guess it's uh, short term pain for long term gain. Um, the Raiders are leaving Oakland eventually to go to Las Vegas. So it's been weird how you've had a bunch of relocations in the National Football League over the last, you know, 18 months, I would say. 18 months, two years. It's been very strange. So uh, that's what we got for uh, the NFL tonight. The Toronto Blue Jays, they are in action. They're taking on the uh, Baltimore Orioles. 2 nothing is the lead for the Jays in the top of the uh, fourth inning. And a record... Uh, or a big streak could continue tonight as well as uh, the Cleveland Indians. Man, are they on a roll or what? They uh, have won 18 straight games. They're taking on the Detroit Tigers tonight. Cleveland leads by a score 5-0 in the bottom of the third inning. So number 19, uh, uh, 19 consecutive wins definitely is in uh, the uh, realm of possibility. So the football game. 
The Eskimos dropped their fourth straight game. I'll just say this, losing sucks. There ain't no other way to put it, losing sucks. Whether you lose by one, 40, or two, or three, it sucks. That's all I can say about it. Yep, it, it does suck, absolutely. And the Eskimos played their best game of this four-game losing streak. They lose by a score of 25-22 to 22 to the Calgary Stampeders in the Labor Day rematch game. A game that went down to a final field goal attempt for Chris Milo, who was subbing in for Sean White. Really subbing in for Hugh O'Neill as well, who's just handling the punting right now. And unfortunately, he had a miss. Missed a 47-yard field goal and wasn't really that close. Once he hit the ball, it just went right. So, tough circumstance there. But, you know, uh, I, I think I want to get this out of the way first uh, and talk about the controversies, okay? Um, there are a lot of people that were upset about the officiating. I, myself personally, I was upset at a, at a couple of things with the officiating as well. Um, if you want to text in, you can at 630-630. You can also phone in at 780-496-0063. Let's talk first about... Uh, Mike Riley being removed from the game because uh, the concussion spotter, or the injury spotter, I guess, is the technical uh, term for that position, removed Mike Riley when uh, he was just about to step up on a third and one attempt. Now, before that, he gets hit by Jagarrett Davis, who's uh, been playing pretty well for the Calgary Stampeders this year. Um, looked like a headshot to me, looked like a headshot to many people. Um, the official that was nearest to that play was a, was a back judge. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, there was no call. And the injury spotter removes Mike Riley from the game. And that didn't sit well with Jason Moss. I don't know what he saw, but, you know, in the year and a half I've coached Mike, I've seen him take tons of hits. Everyone in this league, we have a, a award here. He gets something every year, which is called the Toughest in the League Award. Toughest in the league. He takes one hit, and a guy thinks he's got a concussion, takes him out in the red zone. I mean, that's what, I, what our league is about, is about protecting our players. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But, you know, it is what it is. They decided to take him out. Our doctors, right when he came off the field, knew he was fine, but yet he had to be out for three plays. That's the rules, and we had to abide by him. Well, I would suppose if you got hit, a hit that could cause you to go out of the game. So, I mean, I'm assuming your head got wrong. And usually when your head gets wrong, it's usually by a hit to the head. Unless you hit the ground, but I don't know. I didn't really even see the play, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, again, I just think, again, I guess our league is about safety. But when our player doesn't stay on the ground, he gets right back up and he's in the red zone. And somebody in Toronto wants to make the assumption that he's hurt. And our doctors, as soon as he walks off the field, look at him and know Mike Riley better than anybody knows him and can do all the things within a play or two. Why does he have to be out three plays? That would be my question. I mean, if he's not the one staying down and a spotter's telling him to go out. But that's our league rule right now. And I'm just not I'm not questioning it. I'm not, I love the CFL. I don't want to get fined for anything I'm about to say. But at the same time, rules are, there's sometimes circumstances come up in games where you can start questioning things that are being done in our league. And to me, if I, if I quarterback, not only that, cannot wobble off the field, but he can run, jog off the field, run off the field, go see a doctor in a split second. They can tell him, ask him all the 10 questions they need to ask him and he's back. he should be back sooner than three plays. Why does he have to stay out three plays? That would be my question. 
So, you know, that was someone else's judgment, and it happened to be in a critical moment in a game for us, in a red zone area. And so, obviously, I'm not, I don't agree with it, because I know Mike Riley, and I watch him get up after every single hit, because again, he's the toughest quarterback in our league. There ain't no doubt about that. So to take him out of a play like that when he's not wobbly and he's not staying on the ground, it's a judgment call by somebody, and I don't, in my opinion, it wasn't the right call, but uh, somebody made it. There you go. Since And the person that made it was the concussion or the injury spotter. One keep calling him a concussion spotter. It's an injury spotter in Toronto. Now, what bothered me most about that play is not necessarily that Mike Riley was removed. I, I'm all about player safety. I'm all about concussion, not prevention, but you got to... You know, you got to see if if the player did suffer a concussion. He's got to go through the protocol. Okay, it bothers me a little bit that the call is made all the way in Toronto. Now, I believe in the last CBA uh, agreement or in the negotiations, um, I have to look this up, but I believe this this happened that the union proposed that there would be a doctor, an independent doctor neurologist on the sidelines available. That was rejected. I would like to see that personally. Um, now, I don't know if Mike Riley could have come back in three plays because I would think you would have to have a certain amount of time uh, to to wait to see if symptoms arose because, you know, you got to wait a certain amount of time, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, okay? What bothers me the most is the fact there was no penalty on that play. And yes, the back official doesn't have the clear view of what happened, you know, but penalties are judgment calls, pretty much. I mean, there are things about a penalty that make it a penalty, but at the same time, your judgment is involved in making the call. And when you see Mike Riley's head snap back as violently as it did, you would have to, my opinion, the judgment you would use there is that's a headshot, that's 15 yards, first down Eskimos. I think the ball would have been on the three or the two yard line. Now, I'm not saying the Eskimos would have scored, but what I'm saying is I don't understand, and again, it's back to CFL officiating. And do I think officiating cost the Eskimos the game? No, I don't think it did it, it, did it at all. I don't think the Eskimos, as well as they played, did enough good things to win that game. When you almost rack up 500 or 450 yards of offense and score 22 points, okay, that's a problem. You know, if your defense gives up too many explosion plays, big plays, and it didn't happen often in that game, but it happened enough that it put the Eskimos in a tough position, that doesn't help you at all. But it bothers me that this league is preaching player safety and it's clear headshots are not good anymore. There's a strike zone. You don't hit the head anymore. It's going to happen. I get it. You can't control everything. But I don't get why that particular play wasn't called. And it's going to annoy me and it's going to annoy a lot of people that we're going to see later on player discipline released by the CFL and Jaguar Davis is likely going to get a fine. Doesn't help the Eskimos then. Might have helped the Eskimos on Saturday. Okay. And then you have the other play where Anthony Parker catches a ball on the five-yard line in about the final, final minute of the, play, uh, of the game, gets up, wasn't touched, and the Eskimos strip him of the ball, recover it. But what does the referee do? 
he blows the play dead early because I think he assumed that Marcel Young touched him. But it's plays like that that drive you nuts. You know, could have been prevented, could, you know, was... What, what do you do about it, I guess? That's my point. And I don't believe in, in conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theories. I don't believe in that at all. Um, another, another thing is the, is the throat slash. I mean, the discipline of the Eskimos was not good. Um, I'm not sure who called that penalty. A text came in, who called the penalty? Did the call come from upstairs? Now, the video official, the eye in the sky, can't call penalties, but he can also, he can also point out and say, hey, that happened, by the way. And it's up to the official to call it. Jason Mostyn liked the call. He's like, well, why at that point would you call it? In my opinion, don't give the officials the chance to call it. The throat flash gesture was has been an outlawed act in football for years. So, you know, we're going to talk about this further with Blake Dermott at the uh, bottom of the hour just after the news at 6.30. But the reality is the Eskimos have lost four straight. And four straight losses in football that streak is an eternity and it could be damaging to your season thankful the Eskimos have seven wins in front of that four but it's got to turn around we'll talk more about this in a moment at 623 back with more inside sports on a Monday evening Alberta dentists are committed to providing you and your family with complete dental care through all stages of life dentists take pride in guiding you through the entire process And if you have a dental plan, they will help you navigate your benefit plan and what it covers. Whether you have a plan or not, discussing your treatment options and costs with your dentist helps you make an informed decision. To find out more, just ask your dentist or go to askyourdentistalberta.com. This message is brought to you by the Alberta Dental Association and College. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. It's Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. We'll be packed in this chair tomorrow. We'll hear from Reed after the news at 7 o'clock as uh, he makes his way back home from the Young Stars tournament in Penticton. Oilers improved to 10-0-2 in this tournament. In the last four years, that's uh, pretty incredible. We'll also uh, play some post-game comments a little bit later on in the show as well. By the way, the Oilers rookies will take on Nate McEwen All-Star Team uh, seven o'clock Wednesday at Rogers Place. Tickets available through the Oilers website and at the door live right here as well on six thirty. Chad, Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer, Reed Wilkins down at Rogers Place. Reed will have an abbreviated version of Inside Sports from Rogers Place from uh, six until seven and a uh, quasi-post or pregame show as well. And then main camp opens on Friday, and then next Monday is the first preseason game, split squad action, as the Oilers will take on the Flames here and also down in Calgary at the Saddle Dome. So there you go. It's 6.35. Uh, scoreboard update for you. At the half in Minnesota, Monday Night Football, first of uh, two games tonight. The Vikings with a 16-6 lead over the New Orleans Saints later on. Uh, at about 8.20, the Denver Broncos will take on the Los Angeles Chargers. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays up 3-2 now on the Baltimore Orioles in the top of the fifth. And the Cleveland Indians trying to win their 19th straight game. They're uh, up 5-0 on the Detroit Tigers in the bottom of the fourth. And the Oilers' young stars beat the Canucks 
young stars or rookies, I guess. Rookies, young stars. Or the rookies beat the Canucks rookies. 5-4 in overtime. Career Maximoff with a great individual effort. You can check it out at 630ched.com. And the story from the game that Reed Wilkins just wrote, and he has posted the video of that sweet move. Moves! My goodness, it was a hot knife through butter through that uh, Vancouver Canucks team. But uh, we are also talking about the Edmonton Eskimos. And you can uh, text in at 630-630. Talking about the hot-button issue is uh, Mike Riley's removal from the game after the injury spotter in Toronto uh, felt that he should go through concussion protocol. Uh, Jeremy from Glendon says, the eye in the sky told the refs about the throat slash. Why couldn't the eye in the sky call a headshot? Very good question. Very good question. I have no idea. It's uh, strange to me. If he's getting taken off the field for protocol and there was no penalty call, then there should be an automatic penalty called from Toronto. That's Dustin. Kirk says Mike, Mike Riley's eyes were all dazed after that hit. The league made the right call. And that's where I think you need the independent neurologist on the sidelines, you know, to, to also get the look at him. Uh, I, I'm softening on my position that he should have been taken out. Um, but again, the fact that he was taken out because of concussion protocol, would you not think that Jagarrett Davis hit him in the head? That's what bothers me. Uh, what's the deal with Sean White? Those other kickers, these other kickers are killing us. Well, you know, Hugh O'Neill was kicking 80%. Not bad. You would like that a, a bit higher. The field goal position, you wanted high 80s, even in, into the 90s now. It's not like it used to be. Uh, Chris Milo has come in, and he's 5 of 6. So he's been pretty good. He did miss the 47-yarder. No doubt. Do they miss Sean White? Of course they do. Uh, Jason Moss hopes that he'll be able to practice this week, and hopefully we'll get another update uh, from Jason Moss next uh, next hour on the uh, coaches show with uh, the Eskimos coaches show with Jason Moss. But uh, the hope was, and this was uh, what Jason Moss said after the game against the uh, Stampeders on Saturday night, that the hope was that he'll be able to practice this week and be ready for the Toronto Argos. But that's not set in stone. So, and even if he does come back, or when he does come back. He won't be doing all three duties, I think. I think Hugh O'Neill will punt. Uh, and he's done a good job punting, for the most part. So, there you go. But uh like to keep it to the game. I mean, there's one text I'm not going to read, but it's basically talking about that it's conspiracies and officials being, you know, what is it? Blatant cheating on the fact of the CFL officials. I don't think it's cheating. But um, I do think the officiating needs to get better, but I don't think the officiating cost the Eskimos the game. There were other factors as well. They played really well, I thought, and they needed a game like this to put them back in the right direction. But uh, Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst, joins us on uh, Inside Sports right now. Blake, uh, long time no see or long time no chat, Blake. How are you doing? I'm doing good today, Dave. Uh, you know, Jason Moss said it, uh, I think, pretty succinctly uh, after the game. Losing sucks whether you lose by one, 40, or two points. It just it just sucks. And uh, losing once in football is tough enough. Losing twice is, is really tough. Uh, this team has already been through a three-game losing streak. Now they're on a four-game losing streak uh, after a 25-22 loss to the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday in the uh, Labor Day rematch. Uh, you've had some time to think about it, uh, Blake, over the last uh, 48 hours. Uh, I guess uh, when you think back on that on that game, what really comes to mind? Well, I think that uh, 
there was opportunities that the Eskimos uh, left on the field, and uh, um, and we've been we've been talking about this all season. Uh, one of the biggest things for me was the the amount of penalties that they took that hurt them, um, and uh, I think that was a critical part in this game. And uh, you know, I mean, there's some other things too. Of course, the the missed the missed call and. Uh, uh, on, on on Riley and taking Riley out of the game, and I mean those are all things that that are issues that uh, um, Coach Moss had has legitimate reason, you know, to question and and to be uh, concerned about. But uh, but when it comes down to the things that the players have control over, uh, and and there's a lot of things in a game when you go into a game, you you have control over, them, and one of them is is how you handle. Uh, the game and uh, all the plays, and with that is your emotions, and with that is the, the types of penalties that you that you take. And uh, and there was an opportunity that uh, that uh, at least one in, in particular, the the, the throat slashing uh, gesture, that probably was you know the, the the most important thing to cost the Eskimos an opportunity to win that game. And and and. And like we talked about after the game, there's so many opportunities over the course of the game. But um, I think that was one that uh, allowed Calgary to extend a drive and then ultimately uh, uh, get the winning point. So that was something that uh, uh, that that the Eskimos really have to look at internally. And uh, you know, they have to. I guess it comes down to they got to make a decision: Are we going to be a team? That, you know what, uh, so much of it is pride, so much of it is aggression and all those kinds of things. But, but a lot of it becomes misdirected. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got to decide, are they going to be that misdirected team that, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda? Or are they going to be able to put their pride aside and all those things aside and and be the team that everybody thinks they can be? And that they were for the first seven games of the season. And and that's ultimately the crossroads that they're at at this point. And uh, you know, I talked about it uh, after the game, saying that you know I thought that they they hit rock bottom in Calgary. They played mm-hmm. a considerably better game. They deserved a better fate. They, you know, statistically they they you know they left Calgary in the dust in this. And Calgary was like good teams often do, and like Edmonton did in their first seven. There was this was a game that they probably shouldn't have won, but they are playing it a, a, with a level of confidence that they were able to do that and win. And and Edmonton went through that early in the season. Yeah, it's really hard to play a team that you have to play so darn perfectly against, uh, like the Calgary Stampeders, in, in order to win. But that's that was the reality, uh, really. And, uh, you know, you talk about the, the last drive and you talk about the throat slash. I think there was a play earlier uh, where Euclid Cummings uh, went offside after the Eskimo strip sacked, and it looks like they, they recovered the football, right? So, Or, or at least yeah. got, a, got a loss. So, and, and then you look at the offensive side. Against the number one defense in the Canadian Football League, this team racked up almost 500 or 450 yards and yet you only scored 22 points um but at the same time it seems like when you look at that film compared to the film of the three previous games and like you said you said it many times you learn something from every every game that you play but would you think that this team would look at that film on Saturday losing by three to the best team in the league and going, man, we got to be really close to a win now because we did a lot. We did a lot of things that we should be doing a lot better. Well, you're right. I'm sure they, they are looking at this film a lot differently. And and the thing about it is, is that, you know, to to, to play a near perfect game, that's that's it's an impossibility in professional sports. Uh and and I don't think I don't think that they have to play a perfect game to beat Calgary, 
they just have to they just have to stop shooting themselves in the foot and they did that enough times in the game that took because i don't know if you can put if you can you can say that you know putting 500 uh, offensive yards up on the on the uh, on the board and and holding their offense to 340 um, but that that was as close to a good a great game that you can play but again, it was the, some of the other little mistakes that were made over the course of the game. And believe me, Calgary puts their cleats on the same way everybody else does. They pull their pants on the same way everybody else does. And uh, they, they, the Eskimos just, they, they got to stop playing themselves. And you brought that up after the game. And that was one of the things that uh, Coach Moss had said in, in the week leading up to the game. They got to quit beating themselves and the other team. And uh, and now Coach Moss will probably think, well, now we got to stop beating ourselves and the referees and the other team. So there's, <laughs> it's like you got a whole lot of people you're playing a game against now, and and they just have to they just have to get back to playing yeah. with a whole lot of confidence. And and uh, and I think they're close to that point now. We're joined by uh, Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst on Esco- Edmonton Eskimos football right here on 630 Chad on uh, 630 Chad Inside Sports tonight. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins next. Eskimos action comes this Saturday. BMO, BMO Field in Toronto, Eskimos and the Argos. 1230 is countdown to kickoff right here on 630 Chad, and they'll kick the ball off just after 2 o'clock. You mentioned those things that really you, you can't control as a player, but yet they frustrate you to no end. And uh, we saw, you know, we saw Jason Moss uh, smash his headset, uh, you know, I think twice or three times after missing a challenge that he thought was a, a pass interference call on Duke Williams. We saw the, the, the controversy with Mike Riley being removed from the game. There were some other things as well uh, in that game that you could maybe question, and yet at the same time, you know, the Eskimos, they took an offside penalty on a, on a touchdown to Corey Watson that wiped that, off, that wiped that touchdown off the board too, so that's another moment. But um, when you feel as a player, as a coach, that there are legitimate things on the field that are not going your way from an official standpoint from a from a you know uh things that are called or not called i guess how do you handle that what's the best way to handle or what is the best way to handle it well it's easy to say um but it's real difficult to do uh the thing is is that they constantly preach to you when you become a, a professional athlete that you have to move on to the next play you have to you have to get to the next play. You have to get to the next game. You have to, you know, the most important play is the next one. The most important game is the next one. And when you react and respond to those kinds of situations, um, the way that the Eskimos have been responding to them over the last few games, because they didn't respond to them that way in the first part. They just moved on. They, you know, but it it, it almost has become um, a. Uh, us against everything else and you have to get back to well sometimes that's going to happen in a game sometimes you're going to get a call that's going to go against you but you got to be able to move on to the next play quickly and and i think that that was that was really evident in this game they they are at a point where they're they're not preaching uh, or they're not following what they preach and uh, and that makes it real difficult because what ends up happening is you then have a really good stretch of plays and a good stretch of momentum and then it gets stopped, and then you can't get back on track again because you're still worried about that last thing that happened four or five minutes ago. And uh, that's what I said. It's easy to do, but, boy, when it's an emotional game like this, playing against a big rival, playing against the best team in the league, it's, sometimes it's difficult to get past that. But that is the critical thing that the leaders on that team, the coaching staff on that team, have to get back to doing what they did really well in the beginning of the season. This team has lost four in a row, but they've got some really they did some really good things. We've established that already. But in your experience, is it 
is it easy when you have played well and yet lost to really pick yourself back up, even if you're on a, a bit of a losing streak here, or is it still a mental grind, um, you know, trying to get through another loss regardless of how you played? I think, well, I think that can be answered a couple of different ways. Sometimes it is tough because you've played as well as you played and then you still lost, and, and especially when you're compounded by uh, a losing streak. It, it, you know, there is that uh, possibility of you starting to think that no matter what we do, we're just going to find ways to lose. But, but I think that with the leadership that this team has, you know, this is, they, they had to get back to playing well. They, I thought they played really well offensively and defensively in this game. They played well enough to beat this team, and they, they played well enough to beat this team by a lot. So now they got to look. At the, they go back to the game film and say, "Okay, all right, all right, we're we're back where we need to be. So let's let's find that finish that we had early. Let's find that killer instinct when we've got the guy down that we don't lift him back up again." So so I think that the Eskimos have, have, have reached a point where they they haven't been in a while. It's been over a month since they've been to this point, and they played with a considerable amount of confidence in, in the game, and you could just see it by the by the enthusiasm and the flow that they had in their game, and. Uh, you know, those kinds of things will sooner or later, they'll turn around for you. And, you know, let's keep in mind, they've lost four games, but you know, the Eskimos last time they won a great cup went on a big tear, 10 games in a row. And so they can, and they were on seven games earlier this year. So they could easily get back to a point where they, they can get back onto that streak and finishing 14 and four in this Western Conference would be a pretty darn good record. I mean, the anomaly is that Calgary is 9-1-1 right now, but 14-4 and or 13-6, and or sorry, 13-5 uh, and five is still a record that's going to sit them really well when it comes to uh, playoff position. Yeah, no question about it. And thankfully, this team did get off to a 7-0 and cushion, but uh, the cushion's kind of, you know, it's not as cushiony, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And they gotta, <laughs> they got to bump the slump on Toronto. they got to, in Toronto this week against the Argos. Oh, okay, I lied. One final and, and, and quick uh, question I want to ask you. Mercy Mastin gets hurt in the warm-up. Uh, Achilles rupture, tear, whatever it is, uh, he's out for the season. How many players, or did, did any player during your time get hurt in the warm-up uh, while you were playing uh, for the Eskimos? I remember one, uh, Hector in BC, 1988, uh, high ankle sprain in warm-up and uh, couldn't play. And we had to move uh, uh, Kevin Powell, who was a, a guy who signed us, a nine-year veteran, moved him to the left tackle spot. And, uh, uh, oh, my God, it was a disaster. And uh, <laughs> that was the only time in 14 years that I remember seeing somebody get hurt in a warm-up. And so, so you know, when you, you just think about, you know, the curse of Commonwealth Stadium right now or the curse of the Eskimos <laughs> trying to fight themselves through, there's a, not only is it themselves, the other team and the referees, now they got the, you know, this, this curse of uh, guys getting injured. It, it has become a real challenging year. And if the Eskimos can turn the corner and make this year like they thought it was going to be, this will be something that every player in that locker room and many people in this city will remember uh, forever about what these guys have had to fight through with adversity. And believe me, it's considerable. Absolutely. You got it. Blake, thanks for your time tonight. We'll see you uh, during the week, and we'll uh, definitely talk to you on Saturday when the Eskimos uh, visit the Argos in Toronto. All right, Dave. Thanks a lot. That's our in-game analyst, Blake Dermott. Yes, that game in Toronto where the Eskimos will try to uh, – Bump that slump and end that four-game losing streak. They will uh, be taking on the Argos. BMO Field, 2 o'clock is the kickoff. Countdown to kickoff on 6.30. Chet starts at 12.30. 6.51, back with uh, more Inside Sports in a moment.
This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins at 655. The Eskimos Coach Show with Jason Moss coming up just after 730 with Morley Scott in the host chair. The Oilers with a 5-4 win uh, this evening in uh, Penticton, I guess this afternoon. And, uh, there you go. It's so, 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 Kellen, it's such a... A habitual thing to talk about a game being at night. You know, how many times do yes. broadcasters, and I've done it so many times, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I might do it in Toronto, where I go, oh, tonight this uh, the Eskimos are blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, 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 it's it's in the afternoon there. Right. Yeah, anyway, creature of habit. What do you do? Uh, Monday Night Football tonight. We got two games. It's the first Monday Night Football of the 2017 season. The Minnesota Vikings with a uh, 19-6 lead over the New Orleans Saints coming up in about... Uh, Hour and 25 minutes from now in Denver, the Broncos will take on the Los Angeles Chargers. In the uh, Major Leagues of Baseball, Toronto Blue Jays with a 3-2 win or 3-2 lead over the Baltimore Orioles in the bottom of the sixth inning. And 7-0 Cleveland Indians leading the Detroit Tigers bottom of the fifth. I mention this game because the Cleveland Indians are trying to win their 19th straight game. That is remarkable. News is next on the 630 Chet 24-hour news center with Scott T. Bourgeois. When we come back, we'll be joined by Reed Wilkins down in Penticton. Also, we'll hear uh, from uh, several of the participants from today's 5-4 win by the Oilers rookies over the Canuck rookies. They win this tournament again, or I guess finish first in this tournament. They've been incredible in the last four years down in Penticton. Back with hour two in a moment. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.